Fun. Boom. Cool. Cool, cool. Alright, let me just... My notes things. <coughs> Alright. Uh, let's go ahead and do this then. Uh, do you have any, like... Dumb question you want to ask is the big block of cheese segment, or just go straight from cameos into MVP. I'd say like favorite favorite cop in a TV show. I don't know. Favorite cop in a TV show. Okay. I think I have. Yeah, I have mine. I wonder if we have the same one. <laughs> don't tell me we do. Um. We'll see. Yeah. Mine's kind of an obscure reference, so. Okay, then we probably know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, as long as you're not choosing anything from The Wire, then we're straight. That's that's not an obscure reference. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we very well might have the same. Fuck, you didn't. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll get to it. <laughs> um, but, yeah. All right. Hey there, internet friends, and welcome to another episode of West Wing in It, a weekly show where we step back into the old time machine and travel back to the days of Jed Bartlett, Blackberries, and the good old walking talks. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Starkey from Trevor Trove, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Quentin Hoffman from Rational Passions. How you doing, Quentin? Howdy, Trevor. How you doing? I'm do- doing all right. You're, like, howdying me with the brim of your baseball cap as if you were a cowboy. That's that's a, that's a look to have. Yeah. Uh, once again, Logan is out this week. Mm-hmm. Um Two weeks ago is because he'd moved. Last week it was because he was uh, getting ready for PAX. This week I'm guessing it's just because he's lazy and uh, and sucks. Um, so uh, what the hell, uh, Logan? Get back on the show. Hopefully he has said in in our group chat that he will be back next week. Um, but I'm I'm not really buying it until he's uh, actually back on the uh, the podcast with us. So yeah, we will see. Each and every week, we dive into a new episode of the iconic and timeless TV series, The West Wing, and reflect on the episode's highs and possible lows alongside what it means and how it plays in today's more Trumpian America. So let us get started with Season 2, Episode 16, Somebody's Going to Emergency, Somebody's Going to Jail. Uh, the title pulled from the uh, New York Minute song that opens and closes this show in a very kind of mm-hmm. like, very stark, different look for uh, for The West Wing. Um, yeah. Very just kind of different directorial tone to it. Uh, our main, the main thrust of this uh, episode, I, I believe you would agree, it uh, kind of centers around Sam and Hell his yeah. quest, uh, of course, uh, his quest to um, kind of look into the uh, uh, the potential pardon of fictional uh, uh, FDR aid um, uh, uh Galt, what's yeah. his what's his name? Daniel Jonathan Galt. Jonathan Daniel Galt. It's basically an analog for Alger Hiss. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, is is who that character is kind of based around? Uh, who was uh, back in the fifties uh, in this storyline <coughs> uh, um, convicted of fraud? No, uh, perjury. Convicted of perjury yeah. because they couldn't get him for espionage, which is what they really believe he is. Um, and so he uh, is kind of uh, one of Donna's friends. Pleads to Sam to add him to the uh, the pardon list. Um, 
uh, and uh, and he kind of goes on a quest to try and like track down the truth and put the guy on the pardon list. Yeah. Um, uh, elsewhere, you have uh, Toby in a fun little uh, protest subplot where he uh, gets to go and just see a whole bunch of like loud, angry anarchist type protesters that free aren't, trade that that really don't have any kind of rhyme or reason to them uh, who are out there protesting the uh, WTO World Trade Organization. Um, Josh kind of floats behind a lo- uh, among a lot of the stories this week, so he doesn't really have too much of a subplot. And uh, CJ um, gets uh, it is big block of cheese day, uh, big block of cheese day two uh, on the on the show, and uh, CJ kind of gets tasked with meeting with the um, uh, uh, the the cartographers for for cartographers for social in- uh, inequality equality. Social one of, one of the two inequality, yeah. Map people, uh, Trevor. Map people. Yeah, the, the map people. Um, uh, so she's got some good fun stuff there. Uh, so which of the storylines do you want to really tackle uh, first here, Quinn? Let's uh, leave. The, let's uh, tackle. You're gonna want to end with with the big sandwich. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I feel like that seems appropriate. Um, Makes sense. But I do want to talk about um, that opening, the the opening shots. Because yeah. they were, it was very like, very good. Um, mm-hmm. Because not only does it set up the whole episode and all that, which it typically does, but it was a lot of cool dolly shots. There's a lot of cool transitions too. So like, it's kind of black. It just, and also the, the title card was different this time too. Instead of it's just showing like the title at once, it said someone's going to emergency, space, like like a three second breather. Then it said someone's going to jail. And it faded mm-hmm. in, and we've never really seen that. It's something different. Yeah, I mean, I definitely there's an element of that that is none of the titles have ever been as long as this one. Yeah. Um. So, how do you break that up? And and yeah, with the with it being so kind of the it even plays into that. Um. Uh. As Toby goes on his little tirade later on he kind of is highlighting all the like tricks of being a speechwriter and like repetition and you know you go you you play with opposites so like somebody going to emergency somebody going to jail that's kind of doing both uh of those uh kind of points in that moment and uh, and it's a fun little way to visually kind of set the episode apart even before we see a single shot yeah um but then we we hear we hear New York Minute by the Eagles start playing. Then it's a bunch of cool dolly shots, and it's something really unique about the shots is there's a ton of like bright pink, bright orange, and bright blue. Um, I don't know why those colors, but they really are eye catching. And just like it's slot, it the dolly slides and it transitions into a different part of the West Wing. Um, I think it's really cool when we see like the security guard at the desk and it just transitions and it's like Leo walking down the hallway with the custodian working and it's, there's no um, neon lights there, but it's just the hallway lights. So it's very just like focused, focus centered light. And you just see Leo walking through. Then it cuts to him walking by Sam's office and Sam has something bright, like a bright orange light on his face indicating like the sun's just coming up. Um, Yeah. It's not even his office. He's he's in Toby's, Toby's office because yeah. he doesn't have a couch in his office yeah. to, to have crashed on. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I, like I love the even before we see Leo there. I love that we get we get a sense of like the West Wing before hours, mm-hmm. um, 
like obviously Leo is basically the first one on the job of our our main cast. Yeah. Uh, you know, aside from the fact that Sam slept there, um, uh, and and so yeah, seeing kind of Leo be the first one on, but you see like the very sparse staff throughout the rest of the West Wing, kind of prior to that moment, um, with like the little security guards and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's I, and absolutely like the the colors and uh, and the music, just everything sets this cold open apart from really anything we've mm-hmm. seen prior. To it's this. probably um, my favorite it's opening. Like, okay, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a, an episode, and then kind of so we'll we'll come back to the storyline yeah. uh, of course, but like in this cold open, we're introduced to one of the more like seriously personal stories that mm-hmm. we've seen it, where we find out Sam's been sleeping here uh, the last couple nights because he found out a few nights ago that his father basically had has has been having this like decades long affair yeah. and it's it's shaken him to his core effectively and and uh, and he's you know it's 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 really like taking a toll on him yeah um, and we see that in his kind of quest throughout the, the whole rest of the episode stuff that is always it's clearly always kind of weighing on his mind yeah um, I really love I'm sorry to interrupt in the during those like that scene when it's Leo and Sam talking Leo says repeatedly go home Sam because mm-hmm. he sees where Sam's been because he's most likely been there before and so he just says hey go to your bed like go home relax and think about things then come back to work with a clear head yeah and Sam constantly is just like no I'll just get a new shirt yeah and I love Leo's line of like I think you're drastically putting like way too much stock into the power of a new shirt um yeah, it's a it's so it's a very uh, like unique uh, approach to the cold open. It's also weirdly got this. Uh, I don't know if you watch SNL. Um, one of my l- admittedly super least favorite recurring sketches they've had in recent years uh, is one called The Californians. Oh, it's so bad! Whole, I fucking hate it. Yeah, the whole like premise of that sketch is just like super insider knowledge about like deriving directions around. California and Los Angeles and most stuff. of them I and get so, but it's frustrating to me because all the characters are like let's look at a mirror of each other and I'm yeah like, that's I mean that's, yeah that's it's it's basically just like somebody does like a Google Maps from here to here with alternate routes and then yeah they all look into a, a mirror super stupid like soap opera e way do but you know he was sleeping my note here who, the, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, no one gives a my fuck. note here a was sketch. Uh, my note was effectively and and after this like dramatic like um, kind of thing uh, or the, this dramatic like visual opening where it's juxtaposed with this weird like hey, it's the Californians before the Californians was ever a thing as Leo and Sam discuss like all of the routes that uh, that they take around the West Wing to get places because Leo has is has basically taken this crazy route to avoid the the protests that that yeah. Toby's going to end up going to later, um, including a protest at the National Geographic, uh, um, uh, and so yeah, it's just like it's this very weird juxtaposition mm-hmm. of like everybody's they're talking about super benign mundane stuff like driving directions around Dupont Circle, uh, and then like oh you're hit with this like devastating like Sam's life shaking kind of yeah. like news um 
just a weird like it's such a weird cold open <laughs> um and i and i love it it's like it it's got so much good stuff going mm-hmm. um i will say uh, and then yeah my the the coolest part of the cold open was the ending for me and when it was ginger like grabbing the phone mm-hmm. hey it's ginger it's 6 30 the comms the communications office is now open and it's like that's such a cool thing to me that I wasn't expecting the, the like the episode like the sh- the director to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that it's like okay, and and now the day has begun. Mm-hmm. Like everything in the cold open up to that point is basically like here's like the before the day, um at the at the White House at the West Wing. But here's like a boom, she's, you know, like Sam's there because he slept there. But otherwise, she's the first one in and kind of, like, notifying the... She's, like, turning on the West Wing for the day. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, so when we get back, we get into Big Block of Cheese Day. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take on the uh, the Toby storyline first. Because okay. um, I know you like that one. Then we'll kind of come over to CJ for that little, like, palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, back to Sam for the heavy we'll, stuff. We'll, we'll hit the home uh, run. I think it'll be yeah. kind of... yeah. I think that'll be a good good arc for uh for this uh discussion so yeah we get uh we get toby in there i love the the juxtaposition kind of building off of leo's like he went through all these hoops to avoid all the traffic yeah. and stuff and you get um jo- josh comes in and he's like i walked uh and so josh josh missed all of it and then you get toby being super late yep. um coming into the big block of cheese day as leo gives like the speech and all that mm-hmm. stuff and I love Leo's little bit there of like it being inspirational, and then he comes in, is like, "I've fired more people than you before breakfast." Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so don't mess with me or whatever. Yeah. It, it, like the juxtaposition there, like this is a very funny Leo episode as well. It, it is, um, but it's also like a, it's also just a good Leo episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, when when the uh, appointments are all doled out, uh, Toby, who's come in pissed off because protests have like ruined his day already yeah. um from from blocking traffic and stuff uh he gets immediately assigned to go meet with those losers um and uh and like you see how pissed off he's gonna be until cj says oh but they like there's no cameras you'll be, it'll be fine you'll be you'll be fine yeah. and, and toby's like i like awesome great um cj has that like great you want to kiss me right now don't you <laughs> um uh, and we find out later when he's over there uh, and he basically like calls out the uh, the head protester, mm-hmm. like, you know where you screwed up? You screwed up by not like by by giving up the cameras right. because now I don't have to do anything. Nope. <laughs> like, if the cameras were here, I would actually have to try and like control you guys. But without them here, I don't care. <laughs> like, none of this matters to me. Um, so you know, protesting one hundred and one, never give up the cameras. Yeah. Um, Can I interject real uh, quick? Yeah. Before Toby embarks on his um, quest to deal with these quote-unquote tourists, as he calls them, um, Leo says something along the lines of, um, I believe Margaret has done an excellent job at choosing um, the correct person for the correct petitioner, or something along those lines. And Margaret just shakes her head no. Then Leo looks at her, and she says yes. And it's so Mm -hmm. funny. Margaret it's is a, yeah, it's, it's a great little visual gag that Margaret has in this episode. I love Margaret to death. She might be my favorite <laughs> fucking character in this goddamn show. 
That's wow, big uh, big shift from uh, your Sam love. Interesting. God, I, Interesting. Margaret, man, she's hidden at home. Even if it's just the that's, little things, man. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's shattering. That's a shattering announcement on uh, West Winging it here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so then we so back to uh, back to Toby. Um, in in meeting it with the protesters, he ends up actually like mostly corresponding and talking to yeah. the officer there, kind of assigned to kind of keep peace. Yep. Uh, officer Rhonda something something. Rhonda um, Banks. Rhonda Sachs. Um, uh, she's basically there uh, as in the same way that uh, we often get like Josh and Donna to yeah. kind of take two different sides of an argument. She kind of forces Toby actually mm-hmm. to take both sides of the argument here because um, he, she kind of continues to prod him and she's like um, you know what's what's so bad about the 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 WTO, the World Trade Organization? And Toby says nothing. It's like it's great. It's it does this and it does this. And she's like, well, what would what would they say if I if I asked them? Um, and uh, he's like, ah, they'd say this. And and uh, and so I love that kind of he. Uh, and then later on, um, uh, when like Josh shows up, he kind of does his own little personal protest yeah. of like the WTO is dangerous because it lacks like central authority mm-hmm. and, and oversight and stuff um, there. I've protested. And then he goes back in to explain effectively the, um, uh, the white house's position on uh, why the WTO is good. It, it, um, so it, 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 sa- it saves or it stops wars yeah. is the, is his kind of like final point on it. Free trade uh, stops wars. Yeah. Yeah. Free trade stops wars. Um, uh, and so yeah, he gets he gets super fired up about it, and I love I love the the back and forth, it, uh, almost like flirty nature he yeah. has with Rhonda um, in there, uh, and like just even the stuff like he tells her to uh, to fire her gun when like the crowd is just not shutting up, and so, she like, says I, like, can't I can't fire a warning I can't shot. fire a warning shot in a in, in a, inside. He's like no, fire it. Them. At them. <laughs> um, I will say it's a nice little uh, kind of attack. Yeah, I will say when he's talking to the guy to, c- to control the crowd, he's like, "I can just sit here and read my sports sec, the sports section for two hours." Then after he's like just fucking done with the crowd, he's sitting down and you know what he's reading, the sports I'm section. The sports section. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's doesn't surprise me. Which is funny because it it's just like good hip, good prop work, Richard Schiff. Yeah, um, it's just him doing what he said he would do, and he yeah. also I loved when he's all like, "Yeah, it's being like at a Yankees game. I'm good." Yeah, and then in, yeah, they start cursing. He's like, "Yep, it's exactly like being in a game." Yep, because all the socks uh, are there also just in that, Matt talking in that, that shit. Yeah, in in one of those scenes, um, uh, uh, was it that? Oh, the the protesters are mad because WTO benefits corporations, not people. Um, and then Toby's like, "But you know what's really crazy? In the blackest city in America, you know what I look out and see? Just a whole bunch of white. No, no Asians, no Hispanics, no African Americans." Yeah. And and I love Rhonda throws it back. It's like, "Oh yeah, well, really? How many, uh, you know, how many non-white people in the cabinet meeting that you came from this morning?" <laughs> She's like, hey, I, "I think that's where he's like, I'm starting to not like you." Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, it's they they just have a lot of great back and mm-hmm. forth. She is effectively his Donna for this episode. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great little dynamic that we get from the two of them. Uh, and then kind of at the end, really, like she convinces him to to go back in. Um, and and uh, like she's like, you know, oh, man, how great would it be if somebody who like was trained in communications could go and tell them all these great yeah. things that the WTO does? And he's like, all right, fine. Um, so he goes back in to 
to kind of make all of his points. Um, uh, and uh, it's yeah, it's 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 a great. You get to see him kind of fired up. You get to see him lamenting how good protesting used to be and how he grew up, you know, being a, a political protester and stuff. And he just hates that nowadays it's just like people yelling. And obviously I think this is something we'll talk about when we get into the, <laughs> how does, uh, how does this play in the Trump age? Cause I think we, uh, we see kind of a mixture of like, absolutely this kind of protesting, but also much more coordinated, uh, efforts, um, uh, in, in the modern era. Um, but this is very much like a, Oh, all these people, as he he kind of what he talks about it like anarchist spring break or something like that, where it's just a whole bunch of people that with nothing better to do that came out to to protest together uh, and beat their drums and whatnot. Um, yeah. I, any any other kind of points on this on this storyline you want to touch on? Um, I'm just gonna say Toby and Rhonda <laughs> might be one of my favorite th- things thus far into the season, just because their dynamic is very well. Um, it is very much a Josh and Donna thing, but I think Rhonda compliments Toby so well because he is such this snarky, cynical ass. And she is not like an optimist, or but she's just like, well, if you're just going to bitch and moan to me about these, these fools, then why don't you just do what you're doing to me, to them, and then they'll maybe understand things a little bit better. It's like, stop complaining about something when you can actually take action and do said thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's something which i really liked about her character yeah it's a yeah it's a good good little great i mean great dynamic between between the two of them and uh and i think she brings out a lot of good little moments from toby in this mm-hmm. both in like the small little comedic beats but also in um in the political like fire you know he gets to be for a brief moment that you know angry protester he was in his youth yeah um and and basically show like trying to show these kids how it's done even like in even chiding the the protest leader and basically saying like you screwed up by like um by giving up the cameras that's basically him saying like hey be a better protester (laughs) and here here's how you be a better protester project your Um, message as far and as wide as you can um so uh so elsewhere in the episode uh we have probably one of the funniest uh aspects for me at least is uh is all the stuff with cj and the uh the cartographers um she goes in there meets uh dr john fallow and his kind of compatriots um who are out there to basically try and say um uh yeah the, the organization of cartographers for social equality um basically trying to remove the mercator map that uh that we kind of have all grown up with and know is kind of the standard with uh, actually with the Trevor, new Phillips projection map. What before we jump into the CJ's excellent um, bits about maps, we need to talk about the real thing, the pressing issue of Bartlett's presidential library. I mean, I I feel like we didn't need to talk about that, but okay. I mean, I just yeah, he 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 can't he can't get his presidential library because uh, turns out. Some idiot uh, governor uh, that just happened to be him uh, signed a bill into law that basically like prevents his. All I'm gonna say before we go any further, on this stupid fucking plot. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a nice little like <clears throat> a way to have Charlie and Bartlett into the episode because it's yeah um, no absolutely because it's it's like a nice little forgettable thing yeah. for them to do because Bartlett's all like why are they already planning a presidential library 
And Charlie's all like, hey, you have a fax from your brother. And I just remembered faxes are still a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a that is a time period uh, moment there. Uh, Trevor, you, I, like I know you wait, wait until next week's episode, which like centers around like email as like a big plot. Point. Whoa, <laughs> um, it's not it's not Margaret's uh, uh, muffin brand thing again. No, 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 <sighs> no. The the framing device for next week's episode that you'll see. Uh, it's not giving anything away. It's just like um, a whole bunch of. Uh, of the staff writing like family members or somebody emails describing the day and so that's how we kind of bounce around from like perspective to perspective next week that's is very interesting yeah and it's and it's like super old like early 2000s email kind of kind of stuff so uh yeah it'll be that'll be a fun another kind of oh there's a time capsule moment. yeah trevor i know show. you still work in office do you still fax people things or do you just email it to them I mean, I, I don't, uh, we do still occasionally get faxes, um, or have to send faxes. Um, uh, most of our stuff at this point is emailed though. Uh, we do, the reason we would occasionally have to do a fax is because a lot of our donors might be on the older side of things and might not be as adept with email, but they still know how to use their fax machine or a fax machine. Uh, so like if we're getting an agreement from them, they might fax us two copies of the uh, of the agreement instead of um emailing us the copy <laughs> okay but it's it's even that's very rare at this point um and we might occasionally get like an invoice sent over via fax but yeah the uh i always it's actually fun in my in the system that we use um where our our like customer information effectively yeah. is stored um it's a very old system in and of itself uh, so much so that when uh, when it was kind of set up, they basically locked it into um, you have this much space, and they had space for a home number, a work number, and a fax number. And mm-hmm. so we've been on this system since 1994, and so in that time, cell phones has kind of like become the predominant yeah. form of communication, um, but they didn't have room to add in a field for cell phone numbers. So they saw that, okay, as cell phones are rising fax numbers are kind of decreasing so they turned like that field spot into a toggle you can store both pieces of information you can store a fax number Mm -hmm. and a cell phone number on a profile um but you uh you basically can only be looking at one or the other at a time so you have to like change it from looking at the fax number to change to looking at the cell phone number or vice versa um so yeah it's, it's like the weird little arcane kind of system that we're using um still has that tie we do still have quite a few fax numbers in our system because we've been on it for 24 years so yeah lots of lots of old information in there i will say um yeah um faxes are weird to me but that's because i grew up in an age when no one used them anymore um so seeing Mm -hmm. in this episode is like because i've seen in all like tv shows and other movies like other stuff it's like the fax it like slowly comes in then you're like you see who like the killer is or whatever the fuck it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's way faster now. Like if if, <laughs> if we got a fax at work, it basically prints out of our printer. Yeah. Just as fast as anything else. So, so it's yeah. It's it, you. You basically like scan it and fax it over like by hitting send. Just in the same way that you would send an email. Like we would. You just put in a phone number instead of the email mm-hmm. address. So, like we could still use faxes, and I. I mean. I had to use faxes back when I worked at the solar company a few years back um, 
because like we would do we would do a lot of work with like the government agencies and so it would be like hey we got to fax over this permit application to the city of phoenix or the city of glendale or something like that um or we had to deliver it in person and so it was like hey i don't really feel like driving an hour across town <laughs> i'm just gonna fax it over to you guys is that okay cool um so yeah facts i i don't know if they've they finally upgraded to like email stuff but in the we were talking a little bit about and and it will come up i'm sure later in the show with our our fun little question that we're going to ask but we're talking about the wire and the whole first season of the wire is centers around the already super arcane technology of the the beeper and the payphones and and the payphones and stuff um so uh yeah that's like it that storyline was like pulled from an era where those were actually much more appropriate um, and they basically like de-technological fi. That's not a word at all. But they basically like take away the technology from the Baltimore Police Department yeah. there, so that they are working on super outdated stuff like faxes and and beepers and stuff like that um, to kind of make it fit ish. Yeah. Um, uh, and tie it in. But yeah, so uh, just fun little uh, <laughs> fun little technology of the time kind of stuff. And and we'll see. I mean, like even this show started with. Sam getting that the pager mixed up with Lori and stuff. Yeah. So, um, those uh, that technology always a little wonky, um, uh, especially like looking at it now in hindsight and how quickly technology has advanced in recent years. Mm-hmm. As I I think I pointed out, either on the show or or back kind of uh, just when we were talking before starting to really do the show, like. The iPhone will not have come out by the time this show ends. By the time the West Wing finished airing, the iPhone had not yet been released. That was like what, two thousand six, two thousand eight? I think I think two thousand seven or two thousand eight. I'll Google it. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's like this this show ends like before the birth of the smartphones and two thousand seven and stuff like that. So yeah. So um, so the like it is it will always be kind of in that little time capsule of uh of technology there yeah um but yeah um so so anyway uh, aside from the brother uh jed bartlett's brother sending him a fax and it i like that that took me more by surprise uh because of the fact that bartlett has a brother yeah because i feel like i don't i don't think he ever gets mentioned or like really like brought up on the show again like i don't think they ever like cast anybody to be his brother. I don't think he's ever, he makes an appearance on the show ever. Um, I think it's just this weird, like line from this yeah. episode talking about him trying to set up, uh, the presidential library for him. Um, uh, cause yeah, I was like, Oh, Bartlett has a brother. What? <laughs> Completely forgot about that. Um, so yeah. Uh, but yes, in, in that arc, um, the, we get like a few little bits here and there of, of him and CJ, uh, or sorry, him and Charlie kind of, talking about it um uh and to the end of the episode really mm-hmm. um he is kind of pissed off because like we only got two years to govern before i've got to start thinking about this and, yeah and leo's like well it's two with an option or it's you know it's four with an option of, you got two more years left with an option for four more um uh obviously alluding to re-election and bartlett's like not yet i'm not ready to go there yet um it kind of tying back to his arguments with abby a few episodes ago um where he really isn't ready to kind of pull the trigger on announcing a re-election bid um 
as we as we learned yeah. because like the the deal was hey he would be going into potential like significant complications with ms as he goes into a second term so maybe not be the free leader of the free world when you're dealing with that kind of uh uh, health crisis um so yeah it's it's a it's a almost a nothing Mm storyline but it does have kind of that nice capper at the end to say like this is why it's really bothering him because he's he he's struggling and wrestling with the idea of am i am i done already or do i go for four more years um and the job's uh, not even done yet so why is he working on something to celebrate his legacy and his job when it's not even complete yet you know what i mean and that's what i think a lot of the frustration stems from is preparing to set something up when it's not done yet because it could turn out like he could have a bad press like in the the next two seasons he could have a bad presidency (coughs) and then I mean, vice versa, and not want to have a library. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. I mean, but like, like I, w- I wouldn't say he's not going to have a library. <laughs> like, presidential library is kind of a standard to be like, oh, here's like all of the documents and and you know historical uh, stuff from my presidency. Uh, kind of everybody has one. Um, the the joke that the Daily Show I think has been running is effectively like President Trump's like presidential library will just be his tweets um will just be like framed images of all of his uh, his dumbest tweets you know like his one that says treason fuck out of here dude yeah. kofefi will probably uh, make an appearance in there Kofefe. um anyway uh so uh, uh bartlett's storyline aside uh we go over to to cj uh and the map people and uh, uh i i love like Josh kind of tags along for the beginning of this one because he wants like he knows it's going to be one of those like loony ones like uh, Pluey like we saw exactly like we saw Pluey last year we saw the the um the guy worried about the you know UFO coming in over Hawaii or whatever um so we got kind of the the crazy the crazies is you know who what big block of cheese day brings out even though as we'll we'll hear from Donna later uh uh she you know thinks it's actually pretty cool um, that that we open our doors to these kinds of people that wouldn't otherwise. But then again, the Donna has turtle things, so it's probably yeah. better than CJ's map things. Yeah. Um. Uh. So. Uh. So CJ with the map people. Um. I love like. Wait. Are, are you saying the map is wrong? And and uh, and the do- the doctor just says, "Oh dear, yes." Um. And then we we see like, um, uh, them switch to the Phillips projection map, which uh, kind of takes size more into account and and relative positioning into account than uh than the mercator map mm-hmm. um and and like she's she is in the same way that like sam is shook by his whole father's infidelity cj is shook by the new map and uh wait like what the hell is that yeah it's where you've been living this whole time <laughs> um uh, i love kind of the cutting back and forth to that uh and the the points and you and i kind of I think differ on this a little bit because because uh, the points they bring up are uh, effectively like uh, you know the when you have Greenland uh, appearing as the relative size to Africa when Africa is in fact three times bigger than Greenland or uh, or South America uh, being larger than Europe but Europe uh, looking larger on uh, on the map we're all used to uh, you kind of get these ingrained. 
um, kind of cultural bigger is better uh, differences. And, and they kind of bring up that they bring up, you know, uh, we equate size with power. We equate, you know, left uh, to right. So having the Western hemisphere and Western kind of culture being on the left side of the map, you know, makes it subconsciously uh, better than the, the right side of the map with, uh, with Asia, you have like top and bottom kind of uh, logic there. Uh, and so they kind of play around with all these things and show you what the what the map would look like upside down if you've got the northern hemisphere on the bottom uh, of the map instead of the top. Um, kind of seeing that, and it, it every time every new projection we see throws CJ yeah. more and more, and she's kind of like in the same way that like CJ, you know, became very kind of taken with Pluey in the story of Pluey, even though she originally scoffed at it. We see her kind of make that same transition a little she's bit on the here, edge of her seat with all this stuff at this stuff like how can map people be for social equality or like what is that what is that about like she mocks kind of their dues paying members and stuff it's 20 dollars for the newsletter all that 4300 people um, yeah um and uh and and then by the end she's like i like i can't believe this is where we've been living this whole time and and how i think she she walks away from it seeing how like she's not going to necessarily go out and be a you know a vocal proponent of it, but I think she sees um, uh, what I see at least. What I what I'm always kind of reminded of is there are like in the same way we've got like civic biases kind of throughout our society. I think uh, even the maps kind of play into it a little bit of um, uh, like oh Western power, leftmost, biggest, all that kind of stuff at play. Um, you know I'm sure it wouldn't completely change things if Africa was, you know, uh, appropriately reflected or was reflected on the, on the top of a map instead of the bottom of the map, given all of the, you know, strife between Europe and, uh, and Africa centuries ago. But, um, there, there are like elements of, uh, especially like when I think about how bad people are in general at geography, um, uh, and knowing where things are, uh, like it just, it kind of like this episode always like highlights like, Oh yeah. Like it would be weird. And, and I think potentially better to see things more accurately represented than, uh, than we get them in, uh, like the maps tell a story. It's, it's um, yeah. Hey Trevor, a maps is technically a picture slash drawing and, it all, and all those stuff. All that stuff tells a tells a story. Yeah, but if you distort the picture, which the Mercator map does, uh, to make it like better for latitude and longitude and stuff, as as we get kind of the the, the end, like there are certain things you just know, like latitude and longitude, and Donna's like, ah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, um, uh, it, it is like the it's, um, was it? it? I mean, it's it's looking at looking at the same thing in different ways and different perspectives. Um, you look at that map and it, 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 if you know the rules behind it, the perspective makes sense, but most people don't know the rules behind it. They just see the map. They just see the finished product. Um, and, and I mean, in the same way of like video games and stuff, you can look at, you know, two games and one game might have significantly much more going on under the hood because of the coding, but, you know, you we don't see all of that other stuff that has gone into these games. Trevor, um, guess what? I see code. What? I live in the Matrix. Cool, Quinn. 
cool. No, I'm just fucking um, around. Yeah. I'm, I, what? You're just fucking around? You don't really live in the Matrix? I never would have guessed. Yo, Neo lives next door. I got my duster in my closet. <laughs> if Logan's not back next week, I think I might just cancel this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I can if I can deal with just solo Quinn one on one that much. Yeah, just longer. all the bullshit just, that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Oh my god, it's 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 been so it's been such a trying experience. <laughs> you love me, Trevor. Fuck you, Logan. Don't ever do this again. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, it's I, like I I like I like it because it just it it reminds us to open our eyes mm-hmm. and like yeah there's perspective and and there are rules to these yeah. things so that like there's a reason the mercator map exists and it is a very like viable reason it's maybe potentially more outdated than we really need these days um uh but it's it's there and the, and kind of um it's what people are used to so i think it's probably will stick around for a while until in the same way that like oh us is never going to switch from like um, uh, imperial to metric, um, uh, in terms of like our measurements and and whatnot, like we're because we're stubborn and dumb, and we like we don't like change. We don't like changing things as we see kind of uh, illustrated there. We don't like we don't want to change our view of the world um, because this is the world we've known. This is the world as we've known it, and you're trying to show me something that's completely different. It's accurate mm-hmm. as well, but it's different from everything i've ever known um and that's you know people are going to naturally resist that yeah um and i'm just gonna say this real quick as a final note um before i actually started this podcast and i'd never watched the west wing before i took a geology class um no not geology class a geography class in which this clip was shown out of context for any of these characters i just got kind of background on cj craig and big block of like hey this will be a clip from the west wing which will kind of like outline maps and the different kinds of maps there are then i remember watching it didn't know what the fuck was going on because i didn't know any of the characters because none of them were properly explained um didn't know jack shit about maps all i knew was Oh, they flipped the map side down. That's funny. <laughs> and I didn't really get any of, like, the subject matter of the, the subject at hand because it's just – if you take this – if you take this – these those two scenes out of context, they make fucking literally no sense. Um, I, I, I mean, I disagree, and I think that's why your teacher, like, used them as an example. Um, they're, they're presenting you with, hey, here's what, like – different maps and different perspectives look like and and as uh the doctor character kind of points out here here's you know like we're we can see all of these potential inherent biases in you know the the relative sizes of countries or or continents um the location of them their positioning of them we see you know uh kind of that subtle um uh, bias built into a lot of that stuff and so i think your teacher in presenting that to you is trying to say, Hey, yeah, this is the map you're probably most familiar with, but here's another one that is probably a better, more accurate depiction for the relative size and, and scope of, uh, and, and location of these, uh, uh, these things as, as Josh says, wait, Germany's not where we think Germany is or whatever. Um, yeah. uh, uh, and then they kind of like really play with your, your, ex- your like what you see and, and it breaks their brain as, as, 
it could break yours if you kind of are like, whoa, that's... Like, I think they are, like, an extreme... Like, we, we see in CJ and Josh kind of an extreme reaction mm-hmm. to it. Um, but I think it's, like... I think uh, uh, any uh, anybody else kind of looking at it is like, oh, okay, well, that's, like, that's different. That's that's not what I thought, Yeah, you know, the world looked like. Um, and so it's it's trying to kind of explain that. So I think... I think that's why, like, it exists just fine without the context of the show. Yeah, you're not going to get necessarily, like, the backstory of CJ, you know, uh, like, why why does CJ care about this? In in a contextless um, vacuum, she's just kind of, like, the, she is you, the, the student, the audience, kind of experiencing what these different maps are. Because like, these guys are effectively being your teacher... And instead of, like, your teacher going through and pointing this stuff out, it's using the West Wing as a clip to kind of go through and explain, here's the differences, here's why this map looks like this, and here's why this map looks like this, and here's why this map looks like this. But Trevor, this was basically on, like, the first week when she was explaining the syllabus. So she'd use that clip, and then we didn't talk about any of that shit later in the semester. I mean, like, is this, was this a college class? Yes, or this, a this was a college class. College, college class on geography... And you didn't like it, it's. I mean, it's still it's it's to introduce new maps. It's to introduce. I don't think hey, that here's was a her different intent. way of looking at things. Okay, I mean that's that's what it, that's how you've described it to me is is here's a different way of looking at the maps and the world than you're used to. Like, be prepared to broaden your horizons. And here's a fun little movie clip that we can actually do. Here, so it's not me droning on and talking about. This. That's. I mean, that's my. That would be my takeaway from that class. Trevor, the Almond Brothers. What the? Fuck? <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I just. Oh God, I'm just. I'm, I'm just gonna. <laughs> Good thing we're not doing this in person, otherwise I would be strangled and fucking dying on the floor. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I would probably like mute your mic more. That would probably be a thing that happens. I'd just be like, "All right, we're gonna go ahead and move on and and not get Quinn's input." Uh, um, Let's talk about the sand plot, shall yeah. we? So the sand plot, yeah. Um, I, I will let you. I, I've I've certainly kind of uh, spearheaded a lot of the uh, the plot stuff so far, so I'll let you kind of take point on the sand one because I know, of course, uh, it's it was gonna resonate with you. I said I think I said that in the in the chat earlier. I was like, after I watched this episode at like one in the morning last night, I was like. Oh, that's right. This is a super Sam-heavy episode. Quinn's going to love the fuck out of this yep. episode. Um, so we first, during the Leo speech about the big block of cheese, um, someone comes for Donna. And it's just like whisper. Then Donna leaves into the room. And she meets up with um unknown friend at this time. Later, to, later we find her name is Stephanie. Um, then they have a conversation of just kind of like catching up. Then we we realize why Stephanie's here and, like, why this friend came to Donna for a specific reason. And Stephanie came to Donna for the reason concerning her grandfather. Um, her grandfather was Daniel Galt, who was um, convicted of perjury and was thought to be a communist sympathizer in the 50s and led gave um, FDR policy, like, 40s policy documents away to the Soviets concerning World War II and all that. And as Stephanie's father lies on her deathbed, on his deathbed, rather, um, the only thing he wants to do 
is see if he can get his father pardoned because he believes it's it's they the government the government found found the wrong man guilty basically um and it's a very compelling like an emotional plot line because we see Stephanie get all choked up because it's the only thing that her dad wants you know what I mean and he's served like he's his dad's been her grandfather's been dead for most of her father's life so it it has a very strong emotional cord because Daniel Galt died six months into his um, perjury sentence. Yeah, it's it's the kind of it's that storyline of like, oh, this is a guy who's been trying. To, he's been living with this belief that his uh, his father was like a traitor mm-hmm. to the country, and that's a hard thing to grow up with. Yeah. Um, and and so his his daughter as uh, in the in the form of Stephanie has been growing up with that as well. Like it, he's probably become somewhat obsessed with trying to prove his his uh, father's innocence, and so she's kind of taking on the mantle with him being you know near death. Um, uh, so yeah, um, then from there we have the intro, um, Donna saying to Stephanie, "Hey, I'm gonna get you like." like an hour to chat with Sam Seaborn, the communications director, the person who's um, spearheading the pardon recommendations for the president, the one who's been, like, laboring over this for months, you know what I mean? Then they meet, and Sam is reluctant because when he hears the name Daniel Galt, he knows the history attached behind it. He knows that Daniel Galt was convicted and tried for... Not tried, but was thought to be a sympathizer. Um, and the reason Stephanie reveals that she came to Sam and no one else in the White House is because Sam wrote a some a very long um, the, like a very long paper, a thesis paper on the Daniel Galt's innocence. Then and she highlights that like tw- he has 23 pages in his 40 40 page thesis dedicated just to proving this man's innocence and that's the reason she came is because sam sent that over to um daniel galt's son who, who just st- stays unnamed um, i'm just gonna call him the galt father so um stephanie's dad and all this gets to explain to sam and he's like okay i'm kind of in on this and then they take it downstairs and they go to the the cafe and they talk about it more and Sam is still reluctant to do it, but near the end of the conversation in the cafe, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go to the FBI. I'm gonna get those files, and I'm gonna go find out like re- really what happened and see if I can make this happen." He doesn't even he doesn't even really try to get the files. He just says like, "I'm I'm gonna go ahead. Like, yeah, I've already made the case uh, in my thesis. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give the FBI a heads up because." they'll be super pissed if I don't, if I'm, if I'm going to go out there and, and put this guy that they convicted, um, for, uh, and basically identified as a, as a communist sympathizer. If I go out there and, uh, and announce he's on the pardon yeah. list without talking to them, they're going to be super pissed. Even if I do talk to them, they're going to be super pissed. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he basically makes his mindset up that he's going to like, he, he believes in his innocence and, and, uh, and is, like yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and do this. Yeah, so then Sam goes to the FBI, and he meets with um, Josh's contact, um, Special Agent Philip Coulson, 
Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Special Agent Mike Casper, played by Clark Gregg, um, who we're going to touch on in uh, in the cameos. So, Phil Coulson, right? Um, he's all super bent out of shape that Sam is going to be pardoning um, Daniel Colt. And he says, this is the wrong thing to do. We convicted the right man. But he doesn't go into much detail because it is not Sam's juris- jurisdiction. He does not have classification to actually, like, understand what went down. So Sam, with the clear lack of communication, not lack of communication, but the lack of information um, coming from the FBI, basically just, like, mans the helm and, like, I'm making this happen. It's happening whether whether or not... You approve of it or not? I'm I am part. I am putting Daniel Galt on the pardon list for the for the president. That yeah, and there's it, he's Casper uh, uh, has that great little uh, kind of exchange of, you know, yeah, there are absolutely things that the FBI has yep. passed that they're not proud there's of. A great line in there. This time period being one of them, um, but you know, we our our failures are hugely publicized and our successes are kept private. Um, when we do get it right, you know, we don't. When we do realize that, um, you know, whose decision it was to, uh, to, to make sure that the canopy wasn't used in Roslyn, um, you know, we didn't go out and, like, broadcast it to the world kind of stuff. And, and so then it becomes a personal, like, did you just threaten Toby kind of thing? And, and, uh, and the FBI basically, uh, Casper pointing out, like, no, but, like, this is why I think you got to trust me on this is, like, I, we, we know more than we can really admit and can, can, can talk yeah. to um so like don't don't pursue this like nothing good is going to come from this yeah um then sam meets up with the nsa advisor um but when he comes back to the west wing then ginger tells him hey um someone's here for you and sam's like i'm busy and um ginger goes back it's the nsa advisor the national security advisor rather and i forgot her name but i know the actor is uh on <clears throat> Anna Duvray, um, uh, Anna Duvray, yeah, Anna yeah uh, it's uh, Nancy Nancy McDowell, mm-hmm. yeah, and a returning Anna Duvray, yeah. Um, so he goes in the Situation Room and um, McNally says, "Hey, I'm on a conference call. I'm the only woman. And apparently, I have like this. <laughs> yeah, do, I, do I have a bizarrely androgynous voice? Because yeah. yeah, she like she's like, no, it's just me. It's it's like she she makes her point and it's like, no, it's me again. Uh, a, a couple times, um." like as sam is showing mm-hmm. up and, and yeah the guy the guy on the other end of the call keeps thinking that she's a man or she's one of the other men on the call or something yeah like that. um and from there she like steps away from the conference call to talk to sam about daniel call and it gets very emotional from here on out um especially for sam because he's taken such pride in taking on this case and work like working this case and he basically outlines the reasons why he believes Daniel Galt is innocent and like says, Hey, this like low level custodian who was um, diagnosed with manic depression, like basically said something which may or may not be true. And, and just goes on and on about like why the case is flawed and how the state's attorney didn't have enough evidence to file him for, um, like treason basically and how they just caught him on a perjury charge instead. But then McNally basically pulls out a thick file and Josh says, that's not an FBI file. Sam, Sam says, sorry. Um, 
And McNally replies with something along the lines of, yeah, it's a Nash, it's an NSA file. Um, and Josh says, well, I don't have, Sam, say, sorry. Um, I, I, I heard myself say it that You're, time. Jo- Josh is really winning you over. Um, Sam says, "Like I, I can't, a I can't even be looking at this, and b I don't have code yeah, word clearance. I don't, I don't, I don't have code word clearance. So like, yeah, if if I look at that, you know, we could both go yeah. to jail." And she's like, "Nope, I've, I like absolutely we could both go to jail, but I've redacted out all the stuff that would require mm-hmm. that level clearance. So like, here's like this is all the information. Because yeah, she like she before she pulls out the file, she says, "No, he was a spy." And here's how we know he, he was a spy. Yeah. You know, yeah. He did this in the 40s. He got convicted in the 50s. We didn't crack the code that, like, confirmed he was a spy 70s, until the 70s. Yeah. And, and and Sam's like, well, then you would have, like, announced it uh, from the rooftop. She's like, no, you wouldn't. Like, that's not how espionage was, works. You don't let the other guys the, know that you cracked the The height code. of the Cold War. Why would they even do such a thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, so he's like, all right, well, I'll believe that when I see the file. And so that's when she pulls out the file yeah. and says, boom, there you go. And, yeah, he, like... He reads through it, and then the next time we see him, he is throwing sugar packets. Yeah, like you got fucking great aim <laughs> into like a pot in the in a the bucket, mess. Yeah. Just kind of like end of the night, and Donna shows up, and he is like, you can see he is a changed man, yeah. <laughs> and and that like everything he's known basically up to this point. Um, it's 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 a beautiful kind of parallel with mm-hmm. basically how we ran into him in this episode, in that like. Everything that he has known in this world um, is now has been completely unraveled on him in two fronts. This this thing he was like personally very invested in college and wrote his thesis on at Princeton and all this stuff. Like he's learned that that's all a lie and and that the guy really was a spy um, and and had like and and people died because of him um, uh, and and because of his secrets. Um, and then also on the, the more personal side, his father has like completely upended everything. And, and clearly he is, uh, he is very emotionally distraught and, and kind of lashes out at Donna in this scene of like, um, yeah. uh, like I'm going to tell her this gr- this woman deserves to know who her, who her father was is what he says. And, and Donna's like, you meant grandfather. Yeah. Um, and so it's like clearly Freudian slip kind of, uh, uh, like really hitting but don is like sam nothing good comes from telling her but he he like he's gonna go do it he's gonna go do it he gets in there and and sees her and, and can't go through with it basically like donna's words get through to him and and he says i'm i'm sorry well we have to try again yeah. next time or something like that he kind of backs down it's it, it it is like he he sees that like yeah she doesn't need to know um that that his father was or his grand her grandfather was a, a bad yeah. guy that's not a thing that you want to put on this, you know, guy on this dying guy. You don't want to like make one of the last things he hears before he dies that no, everything that they've said about your father was true. He really was a spy. Like just let them kind of cling to that false hope of ignorance. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really kind of heart wrenching scene. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of everything from like Sam throwing the sugar things up to, like Sam and Donna hugging, hugging it out yeah. at, at the end, uh, kind of, yeah. Um, and then the the episode ends with the song coming back yeah. in, the New York Minute song coming. Actually, back before in as Sam calls his father, it's like yeah. it's all the whole crew coming in, like 
Josh yeah. and Josh and Josh saying to Sam like Toby like killed it at the protest thing like he like he basically slayed them and CJ's all like maps are a thing and it's all like the whole gang's there together and they're all celebrating their day yeah. but then we have and they're all gonna they're all gonna take Sam out to get him drunk yeah. um because he yeah like in part because we it was introduced back when uh, when Leo kind of admits that he knows mm-hmm. about Sam's kind of situation. That like Josh had told, yeah. so obviously like everybody going and taking Sam out is is going to be an attempt to get his mind off of like his father yeah. stuff. Um, and now you know they don't know it, but all of this Galt stuff too. Um, although Donna knows and and absolutely is in for that um, to try and like cheer him up, but but he's like I'll 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 catch I'll meet you guys there and calls his father um, to kind of the last little thing we get this yeah. episode. Um, yeah. It's very good. It's a very good plot line and it's and I think the note that I had um when um Sam's meeting with um advisor the NSA uh, McNally is it's just like smoke and mirrors. And that's something which I like people say that like oh the government smoke and mirrors. That felt a lot like smoke and mirrors. It's like he, he knew something to be true, but then when the actual like the dust settled and like his disbelief was completely suspended. It's like, it's like you're, these are the facts. It's like, we're not like hiding anything anymore. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. like the, the, the problem with the government is that it is smoke and mirror sometimes, but when it is straight facts, it's scary. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's this episode. Really, really great. Sam stuff in there throughout. Um, but also great kind of little subplots with uh, with Toby and CJ there. So uh, diving into kind of how this plays in the Trump era, as we touched on a little bit, um, you know, the, we've already kind of devoted an episode to talking about the pardon process from last year in, uh, what was it, Take the Sabbath Day, I think is that yes, episode. Sir. Which I, that was the, yeah, that was the episode uh, Alex uh, joined us for. Um, so it would have been funny if we tried to get him to come on as a guest uh, host on this episode. Like, yeah, we only want to talk to you, Alex, when uh, we're talking about pardon stuff. Um, uh, so once again, Logan misses all the, the fun of discussing pardons. But I did want to give an update because one of the things we talked about in uh, in that episode was, uh, like, Joe Arpaio being one of uh, Trump's then big pardons. I believe uh, it was his first pardon. Arpaio, uh, was it his mm-hmm. first pardon? Wow, okay. Um, that's that's making a statement. Um uh, so Arpaio went from that to basically try and capitalize on that, and uh, he was running in uh, in our recent Arizona primary election to be uh, uh, the Republican nominee for senator, replacing Jeff Flake. Uh, obviously, this was all before McCain uh, recently passed away as well. Um, uh, and uh, fortunately, fortunately, he was uh, voted down. He didn't even win the primary, so we're not going to get senator joe arpaio or even like the prospect of senator joe arpaio i would love it if he ran as a third party candidate and basically split the republican vote um and uh, and gave uh, our democratic uh nominee a a better chance of getting in but the the um, the bull moose party trevor uh, he I, it wouldn't surprise me if he ran as like a trumpist or something like that um, some some weird nonsense like that um but yes hopefully hopefully this means that uh, Joe Arpaio's political career is finally at an end, uh, even after the ridiculous pardoning of uh, that stupid racist. Um, 
Anyway, so that was really all I wanted to touch on in the pardon process. You, I guess, it, you were looking at a couple pardons, a couple of his more recent pardons mm-hmm. from uh, uh, anything of, of note he, there. He, <laughs> you mentioned brother at yeah. one point. I was like, if Trump had a no, if he, Trump pardoned his own brother? He pardoned no, no, two so. brothers, um, Dwight uh, Lloyd Hammond and Stephen Wright Hammond, I believe, in July. Um, for bas- They basically just like committed arson for on government property. Um, and I don't know why, but it was an, it was wonder how connected they were to, to get that pardon. Yeah. But then Trump also, um, it was a guy who, let me find the guy, somebody, somebody who had, who had uh, done tax fraud. Was that what it it was? It was, um, campaign fraud or was it election fraud, campaign fraud. So with obviously the, the bigger potential scarier prospect is uh all of the people who are currently like uh with manafort and uh michael Cohn, um who are out there getting convicted and pleading guilty to to uh kind of their assorted crimes in the bubble of uh, of trump if he starts handing out pardons to those people um <laughs> then it's a whole new ball game uh in terms of like well what what the hell yeah. um what the hell does any of this mean um if he can just continue pardoning people left and right to basically prevent them from ever testifying against him uh as kind of the quid pro quo yeah so then the uh terrifying little uh little political world we yeah the right person now. he pardoned for um campaign contribution fraud was dinesh de Souza. so oh Dine- okay fuck that guy that- yeah. Okay, I see that guy in like Twitter all the time. He's one of those super uh, kind of alt writers yeah. out there, um, being a just a huge ass. Yeah. At, uh, I didn't realize he'd been he'd been uh, yep. uh, pardoned. His well. sentence was only like fucking eight months too. Yeah, like it's, that's exactly. that's, a, <coughs> and it's frustrating to me that Trump is using his his power, which is which can't be vetoed it's the it's one of the purest powers the president has and he's just using it on stupid fucking shit he's using it on his friends he's he's like giving his his political allies um the the cover and cleansing their records yeah it's like fuck that and it's frustrating to me when we came from obama we had like he had the most pardons i believe out of and and most presidents because he devoted a a doj team to find bad like drugs like drug sentencing all across the board and i think he pardoned over a thousand sentences um which is a lot i mean for the for a Mm -hmm. a country that has a lot of people in jail i believe the number's still like 2.5 million um most in the, the world um it's frustrating that Trump is just being a fucking total moron and just pardoning people who have sentences, which I don't know. It just seems dumb. You, you, you pardon someone who committed arson. Um, I don't know the whole case, but it's kind of weird that you convict, you pardon the, the two brothers who committed arson and you pardon someone who committed campaign fraud. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Um, like I said, the, uh, looks like uh, 1927 was the uh, official count of Obama pardons. Yeah, I mean that's still a lot. Yeah, no, and it and it's frustrating to me that Trump does these stupid fucking pardons when Obama like pardoned Chelsea Manning, 
and that was like a whole big thing like sure whatever but you know yeah. we have joe arpaio back out in the streets that's that's something i would want back that's something i sure would totally want back out on the streets and he was and that's like he was already out on the streets like i don't, I don't even think he served time it was it was like or if it was it was like super white collar and like stuff it's just now he's like his his conviction record has been pardoned and expunged or whatever so it's like yeah it it, it it's just stupid um, find the actual crime uh, elsewhere we had uh we don't need to dive into it um you had contempt of uh, court oh my god Oh yeah! Oh yeah! No, I yeah, it was contempt oh of court. Oh my that's, god! Because it, it was he. Because the whole thing with Trump, uh, with uh, mm. with Arpaio was uh, he was out there racially profiling um, people, and what finally got him was, um, yeah, he was he basically like thought this judge was out to get him, and so he basically um, kind of not not told the judge to fuck off, but like in his mannerisms and stuff. What a um, kind fucking of that way! And so the judge shitty found, pardon. Him, uh, found him in contempt, contempt of court. Of court. Oh yep. my god. To, to clear his record. Um uh so uh anyway, uh cartography. Um how, <laughs> I I feel like you put this on there. How did you want to talk about cartography in the Trump era? Um or was I it, think was you put that down cuz I okay. I put if down I the did, next I, thing. I mean, I guess I like I if I so I was probably thinking of like the the social ramifications of of kind of the, you know, uh, obviously um Africa and the and Trump calling it sh- a shit like shithole countries and all that kind of stuff like there's definitely global dissent um, uh, that still kind of very much exists and is present yeah. and it doesn't help when our commander in chief is a moron that is a big old cheeto find yeah most of these countries on a map um, so that's a, that's a little France tough. is in the Euro- sh- Europa region right. Europa, Asia region? No. Where's Bosnia? Her- yeah. Where's Bosnia? Doesn't know. We're- Bosnia, Herzegovina? Yeah. See, I can't pronounce uh, Herzegovina, so I just say Bosnia. I, I, th- I think that's right. I don't know. It's been, a long, it's been a long time since I've had to say that. Yeah. That's <laughs> that why word. I just say Bosnia. I, I was in, like, I competed in geography bees when I was uh, when I was in, like, elementary school and middle school because I was a fucking nerd. Still uh, are. Absolutely still am, but, yeah, I definitely don't have that geographical knowledge anymore it's just right across uh, the yeah, ocean like, from I, Italy. I, I enjoyed a lot of that stuff um uh growing yeah. up uh, one of the weird things i got like super into like memoriza- memorization stuff like I, I remember one of the one of the questions i got right that like um knocked other people out in one of the contests was uh um uh basically like Istanbul being constant uh, like constant Constantinople was uh, uh, or eventually kind of grew into Istanbul um, and was the only uh, capital uh, in two continents yeah. uh, uh, being uh, in in the split of Turkey uh, between Asia and Europe um, like that was a that was a dumb weird tr- bit of trivia I had in my yeah Istanbul um, Constantinople uh, Istanbul yeah, Istanbul and the Constantinople. No, it's Istanbul and the Constantinople. Um, thank you, they might be giants. Uh, unruly and unkempt protesting. This one you definitely had on there to, to discuss. Yeah. Uh, kind of obviously pulling from the Toby storyline here. Uh, so I'll let you kind of dive into this. Uh, so 
it's frustrating to me as a United States citizen to see people protesting violently and protesting in a way that is just frustrating. I am Toby in this situation. If you're going to protest, organize it. And if you're not going to organize it, then it's just goddamn chaos. It's just entropy. You don't want entropy. So, I mean, which which protests are you speaking to? The ones because as I as I kind of pointed out, I think we've got a we've got a mix of both. Yeah. Um. I I think like the ones that like obviously make kind of big headlines and stuff being the you know March for Our Lives uh, that all the Parkland kids yeah. kind of uh, helped organize in in your, the you know the Women's March, the Science March. Um, See, those are uh, good because those are organized yeah. and those are peaceful. But when you have these dick bags touting Confederate flags and just like like saying, yeah, like this is America and just like holding the Nazi flags and all that. And it's just kind of unkept chaos. Then that's when I get frustrated. And also, I don't stand for your fucking cause at all because you're full of fucking assholes and you shouldn't be touting anything over racial superiority because that's a fucking stupid standpoint. But that's not the point. The point is this Trump has, I feel like, allowed protesters of both categories of the park, the like the more peaceful March for our lives, like the women's march, all that. But then we've also had this surge of just like fucking Nazis coming out of the woodwork and just protesting because they feel like they have the right to protest. And they're not even protesting a thing. They're just congregating and saying that they're protesting when they're really not. They're just trying to spread and further their more bullshit fucking message. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're, I'm, I'm curious where you stand on something like this. So, like, uh, I remember on some Trump visit out here um, uh, I don't know, earlier in this year or last year or something like that, um, he came out and people basically like um, walked out into the road and basically like peacefully blocked traffic um, on like the major freeways out here in Phoenix um, to that like the traffic to and from the uh, the, the rally that he was mm-hmm. doing. Um, uh, so I'm curious, like, where you stand on something like that? Is that um, like a nice organized thing or is that more of the the discord the unkindness was it organized most likely did it did it ruin people's days yes but if you look at some protests like i know like the women's march in um like austin texas for example um like that that crowd basically just took over that entire city and sure people were mad about the traffic and all that but at the end of the at the end of the day that was organized and that was planned. This that event which you're talking about was most likely organized and planned. When people just come out into the streets all just all with entrop entro- um like with chaotic intentions, I was trying to say entropic, but um chaotic intentions, then that's the problem because that's how stuff like riots start. And that's something which frustrates me is I'm going to rewind the clock a little bit. Back when um, Ferguson happened, there was a ton of peaceful, organized um, protests in there. But the thing which caught the people's people's eyes was the fact that people took advantage of that situation and began to riot and loot. And that's the problem is people 
people quickly fall to chaos more than they do to fall to um, ethics and morals and organization. And that's something which is a big problem with just in general protest across the board. Yeah, I, I, I would argue like I think of people looting and rioting more after their sports team wins a game. Uh, or wins like a championship or something like that more than like the uh, political protests of something like Ferguson. Shout out to the the Eagles like fans who just fucking destroyed Philly. Exactly, like it, like you have that kind of stuff, and and they're winning, and they go nuts yeah. and start tearing shit. I mean, down. one of the fans ate um, fucking like, horse poop. The, so what the fuck? Um, Ooh. yeah, sports, Trevor. It's a thing. Um, no, but yeah. that's the, that's the like I understand that because it is spontaneous. You know what I mean? Like. The, the, no, that's not that's not a good reason for that to exist. Most of the stuff, like, why does your sports team winning suddenly mean like, oh hey, the rules do not apply to me. I'm gonna tear down the these streetlights. Trevor, if the Cleveland <laughs> like, Browns even won a game, there are refrigerators all over Cleveland full of beer. You know what would happen to those those refrigerators? Okay, like drink the beer, but don't drink the beer and then go out and like commit all of the crime. And and I get that, but it's okay. Sports, sports, and all that are a completely like complicated topic, and I'm not really in the mood to talk about it. Um, it's but like I'm it's it's just blowing my mind that you like give violent pro violent activity like that a pass if it's tied to a sports thing but you get pissed off if it's tied to a protest yes because the people protesting the ones that i'm specifically mentioning are nazis <laughs> and the ones that that's the, that's the stuff <laughs> yeah, which bothers okay. me okay but people like you know <laughs> philadelphia fans i i don't think they should like I, obviously i don't think nazis should get away with it either <laughs> but like like the crime is the crime <laughs> like just because your sports team scored another touchdown like why why does that give you permission to go out and act like nazis i uh, that's a that's weird phrasing there trevor <laughs> and i that's that's kind of problematic i mean it's 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 your analogy i'm just tying the mm. the, the bits together your verbiage is kind of problematic um I agreed. Like, don't don't go out and act like Nazis. I'm talking to the camera as if anybody's ever going to actually watch this. <laughs> don't go out and act like Nazis if your uh, if your sports team wins and and uh, and take out your tiki tiki torches and bullshit. Don't do it, Trevor. You're making a bad analogy, and it's extremely problematic, and it's kind of troubling to me. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, Quinn. That's the bad analogy compared to all of the things you've said on this show. Um, Margaret's the best character in the show. Um, but right. no, and it's okay. Let's get back to the the core conversation about this 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 bullet point, and I'll just end it real quick. I think when people have good intentions, but then the bad apples come in and they ruin the good intentions and that's what gets the spotlight and that's what's frustrating to me is you have all you have good peaceful protests but when people come in and they ruin and they riot and they loot that's what gets news coverage not the actual march itself people will talk about the march leading up to it but the march itself won't get coverage but if people come in and destroy and vandalize and are thieves that gets continuous coverage versus 
oh, they had a march for this cause. If you want to like accept, you know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of the problem too, is violence gets more airtime than things that actually matter. But yeah, um, I mean, that's absolutely part of the problem. It, it, you know, tells a more sensational story. So people kind of glom onto that. All right, uh, so that's that's how this episode plays in the Trump era. Uh, moving on into the cameos, as we kind of already touched on, uh, the big one that comes up in this episode that I love is uh, is Clark Gregg, uh, his introduction as FBI Special Agent Mike Casper, who obviously has become so much more well-known uh, in, in the time after this show as Agent Phil Coulson from uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both the, the movies as well as the... TV show Agents yeah. of Shield. I also love him in Five Hundred Days of Summer. Um, he plays uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's boss at the like greeting card company. Um, it's a great little fun role that he has in that uh, uh, as well. Uh, you have John Billingsley there as Doctor John Fallow, the head of the uh, the Cartographers Association. There, uh, he was the I want to say the Doctor character in Star Trek Enterprise. He was a Romulan, Trevor. Ilf- uh, okay, that's you. You keep saying that. Uh, yeah, I, what I don't, I don't think he was. Pretty sure he was. Like I feel like he. He was had a, the he had the Romulan type. things on his head, Trevor. <laughs> it's not a. It's not a thing. Uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah. I'm gonna do it now for you. Uh, yeah, I'm looking up Enterprise Doctor Species. Uh, Doctor Flox. Flox. Doctor Flox. He was Denobulan, not a Romulan. Ha suck it. Oh, that's weird. He looks a lot like a fucking Romulan. Oh, it's different. I mean, I, okay. Like, yeah. It's, whatever. Um, anyway. Star Trek. Uh, so like he he pops up in this. And I'm like, oh hey, like I I remember watching Enterprise and uh, like I definitely didn't like stick with that show all that long, yeah. but I remember watching it and enjoying it. And that guy always comes up. Um, or I, I, when I see that guy in this episode. Uh, and then uh, you had uh, Roma Mafia there as Officer Rhonda Sachs, who had a very long stint in uh, the TV show Nip Tuck, which Quinn had uh, never heard about <laughs> prior to uh, to me typing that in our document. That's a plastic uh, surgery thing, listener. Yeah, it's a plastic surgery show uh, by, uh, I want to say it's Ryan Murphy, the guy behind Glee and uh, American Horror Story and all that stuff. Uh, it was his show prior to those. Um, anyway. Uh, moving on, uh, big block of cheese uh, in honor of this episode. Of course, uh, you can be part of the show uh, with uh, by by tweeting at us your questions or writing in with uh, uh, the the westwinging it at email dot com email. Uh, but we never get them, so we always just kind of ask questions internally. And so my uh, there the question I guess Quinn came up with on this one is uh, inspired by uh, his love here of Officer Rhonda, uh, favorite cop in a TV show. And then he said, like, oh, yeah, mine's going to be super obscure, but because I know both of our love of the wire, I was like, oh, crap, we've probably already picked the, we've probably picked the same person. Trevor, so, I want you to go, you I go, want you go first. I want to hear who you say. <laughs> I went with McNulty. Okay. Um, I had two. Okay. It's a toss-up. I love Lester okay. Freeman, and I love um, Bunk. So. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, like, it's. Those are the three great cops from from The Wire. So I love I love McNulty. I think just because we we get to see, obviously he's such more of a he's one of our like central characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we get to see like he's really a driving force behind uh that whole investigation in the wire that that kicks off the wire um and uh uh i just love like i i love him because he like he's such a he's so much more of a like a flawed character i think than the other uh than bunk and and uh, i love bunk so much Uh, I, like the 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 scene between Bunk and McNulty, where it's just like the two of them doing like investigating a, a crime scene with variations of the word. Oh, it's so good! Is one of the best scenes in uh, in all of oh, television. So good. Um, I think it's obviously. season one. Um, it's like one of the early episodes. Yeah. God, the fr- um, the whole fridge like scene they, is they good. Identify exactly. They they identify like what happened at a crime scene by like. And only say, yeah, just only say the word fuck uh, a lot yeah. of times uh, as they kind of uh, deduce what's going yeah. on. Um, so, yeah, I, I knew, I definitely knew we were both pulling from the wire. I didn't know who you'd go with because we haven't, like, despite talking about how much we enjoy the wire, we haven't really actually talked about the ins mm-hmm. and outs of the wire all yeah. that much. Um, that'll, be, that'll be the next podcast <laughs> we end up doing three years down the line when... Uh, when my desire to murder you has subsided. Hey, um, but no, I'm probably going to stick with Lester Freeman. <laughs> yeah, it's all a choice. I, like, I I feel like he kind of gets almost written off the show in later seasons, uh, and it may, it always makes me sad. Like, I, I want him to be more involved than he is in that show, um, but it, might, it very yeah. much stays kind of central around McNulty and Bunk, um, and he's kind of, especially when you get into, like, Oh, here's the you know subplot about uh, the the docks, and here's the the newspaper yeah. stuff, um, or the the schools. Like we just don't get as much of uh, of Lester Freeman. Yeah, I really um, love that fourth season of The Wire. The first season, the fourth season, the fourth season, the, the oh, school it, season. It really hit home for me. There's something about yeah. that. The last season is whatever. Um, but man, I it. it's I mean it's like. The last season is uh, the uh, was David, uh, I don't know, the guy who who writes the who wrote the show who created the show, um, like he worked for the Baltimore Sun for years, and that's like how he kind of got into the whole crime scene, um, uh, kind of learn or like it's he based the first season of that off of like real stuff that was going on in Baltimore and stuff, so he knows that city obviously incredibly well, and so him closing it out with like that whole investigative journalism mm-hmm. kind of uh, season, uh, I think is a, like it was very much like a kind of writing what you know, yeah. uh, basically. So I, I enjoy it. Um, oh, I fucking, Oh, can I just say one uh, final uh, note? Bubbles yeah. might be my favorite character on the wire. Bubbles is amazing. Uh, always breaks my heart when like he, he like relapses and stuff, but, the ending uh, with him is he, so he's good. One of the, he, he's one of the few people who, like, end up actually doing pretty good in that show. <laughs> Compared to, like, all things considered. Him and Presbolewski, they're uh, the only ones yeah. who pull through. Okay. Um, uh, MVP, who are our standout characters from this episode? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I don't think, uh, given what, kind of how we've talked about it, and it won't surprise me if you pick the same, uh, I'm going to go with Sam. Okay. Like, he's... Obviously, the the clear kind of focal point of the episode. Um, Toby would be uh, my my alternate, I guess. Toby and CJ, both as kind of the central points of theirs, I think. Uh, um, 
are also solid choices, and I I can certainly imagine you going with with Toby on this one because you like the the protest yeah. subplot and the dynamic uh, specifically with Rhonda. But for me, like the the arc Sam has in this of like he's he's broken, but he doesn't realize how broken he is at yeah. the beginning of this episode, um, and and he takes this Galt kind of case really. Like even even in that cold open, uh, Leo has like a line to him like "Don't retry the cases, don't retry the cases," and and Sam's like "I'm not retrying the cases," but that's exactly what he has yep. done already with Galt. He's already retried yep. that case, and so he's sure of his innocence. Uh, you know his innocence, and and that whole thing just comes like crumbling down around him, and we get to see him like devastated mm-hmm. by it. Um, and I think it's great great work by Rob Lowe, kind of. Um, throughout, uh, and so yeah, it's 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 the runaway performance in this episode for me. Um, you? you know, it's funny is I gave this a lot of thought, and I'm not actually, I'm actually not going to give it to Sam. Um, I'm going to give it to Donna instead. You're just an, you're you're a you're a weird enigma, and you're giving it to Donna. Okay? I her supporting um, her supporting character in this episode was so well so well done, and it's it's so fascinating to me to see her enthusiasm with like helping sam and stefan help mainly helping stephanie then saying the whole like oh sam has an ear to the president thing and how that more or less backfired and her understanding of like her faults and then she's the one who um she a she understands her understands her faults super late but then again she calms down sam and tempers him and says hey this isn't the right thing to do. Not at this moment. Like, if you blow up now, then you're just going to go up. You're going to end up hurting a lot more than you would have. And you're going to hurt yourself because it, it, you would be thinking about your decision so much instead of just saying, hey, like, basically, and just taking a breather. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's something about that which I really, really liked. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a solid choice. And, and yeah, I get, I, I'm surprised by it because I do think of it as such a supporting role, but it does keep Sam on mm-hmm. like the straight and narrow yeah. in the end. So um, I'm a sucker uh, for supporting characters. In the long term, it's 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 what's best for uh, for Sam. But yeah, I mean, I like I definitely thought your love of Sam was going to prevail on this. No one. worries. On my notes, I, I wrote one in all I, capitals. Sam. Yeah, and this because <laughs> this is one that. I can I can envision even Josh uh, and uh, even Logan giving this yeah. one to Sam. So I was like, oh, this is a lock. This is going to be all three of us are going to go Sam yeah. on this one. Uh, but you 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 threw a wrench in that. Yeah. So. Okay then. Um, so uh, so with me going for Sam, that uh, pulls him in overall rankings. That pulls him ahead of Toby. Uh, they were in a two way tie for uh, was that fourth or fifth? I don't know. Uh, the numbers are weird. Uh, but there, so Sam is behind Leo, Josh, Bartlett, and CJ. Um, obviously, we still have all of uh, Logan's votes to make up for if we let him actually uh, pass votes. Uh, but at this point, I'm kind of ready to let him have forfeit for not showing up on the show for so long. Um, and that puts Don on the board. This is the first time Don has ever been uh, uh, selected as. Uh, and as I'm surprised favorite, she so. hasn't been nominated thus far. But yeah, I mean that's like I definitely. Uh, knowing uh, where the show goes, I definitely think she will get more time to shine. Um, I think, I don't think she's had too many crazy spotlight episodes or when she has, like they've been like 
great episodes for other people yeah. too. So, um, uh, it's yeah, it's rare for her to really, especially especially because of how often she's tied with yeah. Josh uh, in the storyline. Um, it's it's like obviously you know the two their two of them work very well together. Um, so it's maybe hard to occasionally pick her over Josh or whatever else is going yeah. on the show. Um, but uh, uh, for season two rankings overall. Uh, the vote for Sam moves him up into a uh, two-way tie for third with mm-hmm. Josh, um, uh, but both of them are well behind Bartlett and CJ. Um, both of them are sitting at five points, and Bartlett has eight, and CJ has nine for the season. So, but it does move him up uh, out of the pack from Leo and Ainsley. So, uh, so yeah, that's our current standings uh, in in season two of West Wing in it MVPs. Uh, what's next? In next week's episode, the Stackhouse Filibuster. A huge healthcare bill that Josh spearheaded is derailed when a senator exercises his right to filibuster because he wants some more funding for autism research. Uh, so that'll be a, a fun... I'm pretty sure this is where I learned about the filibuster uh, was from this episode. And I'm sure we'll probably talk uh, about it beforehand because it won't make any fucking sense to me. You you don't know what filibuster it's is? Just like, it's just like people just like extending time from what i understand i mean like yes the filibuster as a we'll save it for next they, we'll sa- they will go we'll into save it for it. next episode they they will go into it in the episode they will absolutely explain here's what a filibuster is in next week's episode so um hopefully that you know gives you you a sense of oh okay that's what a filibuster is uh, it i will say it's we will probably discuss Right in in modern politics, and this will be kind of tied to the, uh, the how it plays in the Trump era. Um, the filibuster is used more as a threat than people actually going through and performing the filibuster. They just say they're going to filibuster something, and that's usually enough to say, "Okay, well, we're going to take it off the table." Um, so we will see. Uh, kind of, we will. I'm sure we will discuss that next week, uh, and hopefully, Logan doesn't suck. Uh, doesn't like he stops sucking and actually comes back next week. Uh, so. But we will see. Uh, so that's the show. You can follow Quentin at quantum underscore arbiter. Irrationalpassions.com is a thing. Go check it out. Cool. Uh, go ahead and check that out for Logan 2 at Lefty Logie. Uh, you can follow me at Snarky Starky. Uh, nothing really to plug for me outside of this show, although I do uh, continue to kind of like talk with Logan about the prospect of me hopping over and doing some stuff with Irrational Passions 2, but uh, nothing has... Uh, has come to fruition at this point in time so uh, nothing to announce there you can follow the podcast at west winging it on twitter if you want to be part of the big block of cheese segment as i mentioned earlier you can tweet your questions over there at west winging it or you can email us at west winging it at gmail.com you can find the podcast at soundcloud.com slash west winging it and on podcast services around the globe if you like what you hear please rate like review subscribe all that fun stuff as it's nice to do and helps us out i'm sure probably maybe i don't know And as always, thank you for joining us, and remember, this is a time for American heroes, and we reach for the stars.